when someone states that something is impossible, they are stating their own limitations and not yours. Prove them wrong. Hello and welcome to season two, episode six of our podcast series. The podcast that inspires and educates through the sharing of real life experiences. I am Sheila, your host, and with me today is guest Sheila Azuntava, joining in remotely all the way from Ghana. Sheila worked as an assistant vice president of Citigroup's Global Transaction Services Unit in Nigeria. She joined Ecobank Ghana Limited as a banking relationship manager in their commercial banking unit before moving on to join Citibank Kenya, where she became senior investment banker in corporate and investment banking. She is a former Miss Ghana and currently the CEO of Innovative Microfinance Limited. She is passionate about empowering the less privileged and we are delighted to have her in our studio today. Sheila says, and I quote, be a game changer. The world has enough followers. Hello, Sheila, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. Oh, it sounds interesting <laughs> saying Sheila. Sheila. Exactly. And thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really honored. Thank you. You're welcome. So how how is it in Ghana? Hmm. Ghana is home. It's true. And it's peaceful, it's home. Exactly. And COVID or no COVID, we have each other. And so true. Um, we're just taking a moment at a time, not even a day at a time. We're each taking a moment at a time. Um, learning to social distance, you know, obey all the protocols and still be emotionally connected with our loved ones. Yeah. But home is always home. So true. So I am happy to be home. Yeah. And this is home. This is Ghana. Just so wow. yes. And um we just swore in our president, president? um last month. Wow. Yes. And uh, yes, um wow. Nanado for his yes. second term. And wow. um the country is just it's just about, you know, getting off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we're gonna have more investments coming into Great. the country. Yeah. And um more tourists so we're open once everything about covid and all the vaccinations with you know mm-hmm. all the airports open we're hoping to have more tourists back home and also our brothers and sisters out there back home we miss them yeah. you know i haven't wow. I haven't seen so many of my friends in a while yeah. so we're all looking forward to meeting them soon but wow. other than that ghana is just ghana is home and it's home it's all i can say it's home Wait, so what's one remarkable thing that you miss anytime you travel out of Ghana? Oh, remarkable. A lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> um, my support system. Wow. My family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I miss that. Yeah. I miss that. You know, Ghana is. Do you know how it is? You don't yeah. even need to call before you get there. And there's so always true. food. There's always somebody. There's a shoulder for you to cry on. So true. You know, there's somebody to offer help, advice. And then you've got your family. You know, there's nothing that can beat that. It's, it's I, so I true. I that a lot. It's so yeah, true. Yes. Wow. It's so, 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 so true. It's so true. I don't know if it's only Ghana, but I think all the African countries is, is the way we are, yes. isn't it? We are very relatable yeah. to people and all. Mm-hmm. It, it's so true. and so warm. So you can imagine what, yeah, what COVID is doing to us. 
you know yeah. having to not go home after uh, on on sunday yeah. for lunch with you know the rest of the family and friends yeah. you know all these uh, it's it's <laughs> it's been interesting yeah. to really adjust to that because we are we you know we do everything at home yeah you know come home we're always saying come home for dinner yeah. come home for lunch yeah, yeah. and all of that we're having to find different ways of of doing that and yes yeah. it's teaching us a few new ways to to bond yeah but also it's 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 not fun it isn't i can't imagine I don't like it. it isn't it isn't it isn't oh my god so what are some of the challenges you faced as a woman starting your own business and how did you overcome them <laughs> Oh, I think um, what I faced, most women, if not all women, who want to leave their nine-to-five jobs, face face that as well. Um, first, I think usually you, when you decide on an idea that okay, this is what I'm going to do, and especially with me, mm-hmm. it was um, a business idea that I saw the the need and I saw the help. I saw the end result even before I saw how to 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 start it. Wow. But one of the most difficult um, things I faced initially was limited knowledge. Okay. I didn't I I really didn't think it was that important to know and to actually obtain knowledge on microfinance. I mm-hmm. thought I was an investment banker. You know, I thought oh, yeah. I did finance for my MBA, and mm-hmm. it was, and it's a no-brainer. It's so, it's yeah. good. But no, yeah. the only thing those two things have in common is finance and money. They're okay. totally different. So I got into it without obtaining the knowledge, and that's what ignorance does to you, and what wow. costs you more than obtaining the knowledge. Yeah. You know. So I learned that from the beginning. I lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then i had to re-strategize and literally give myself an education by you know doing short courses on impact investments microfinance and rural microfinance okay. small small scale businesses how to mm-hmm. set them up all those things i had to so that was one major thing and i would always advise anybody who wants to start their own business is if you don't have any income don't leave your paid job mm. Wow. Your other hustle whilst you maintain your paid job so job. that the shocks of not getting your paycheck at the end of the month will not come in. So but I started in in, in innovative after I had resigned. Oh. So you can imagine. Yeah. Every shock was to the core. Wow. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I yes, but I quickly I I quickly had to learn. Then it came to being taken and you know being seen by people to be serious yeah you live in a society that can also have preconceived ideas i'm a former beauty queen you know yeah. and usually yeah. you have the mindset that okay when you're a beauty queen yeah. you either have to end up in the fashion business or which i don't think it's a bad business because trust me that industry is huge yeah or probably just don't you, you want to stay at home mm-hmm. so you have to let people know that this industry or this sector which is dominated by men mm-hmm. is a sector i want to get in and i i want to succeed yeah so that also had a lot of you know challenge, challenge. climbing up to do yeah 
And wow. then also you have a, a business environment that's not favorable, you know. Yeah. Being a microfinance company, it's difficult to raise local funding. It's and also for people to trust you to deposit with you when you've got universal banks with deep pockets. Yeah. So you're having to compete with these big banks mm-hmm. who have the deep pockets and can go into every area that you can you want to go to, but you don't have the scalable funds. Wow. So for you to convince another person to put money in your business, something that would take a universal bank a week can take you a year to do that. So those were challenges. And of course, you have the fact that women naturally we I wouldn't say I I had that a bit you know I was a bit timid I didn't want to really show what I was capable of doing for fear that people might ridicule me people might think I really don't know what I'm doing doing so there was that time where believing in myself to be able to do it wasn't enough to keep me motivated and determined yeah and we sometimes want to humble ourselves as women and I went through that phase I thought being timid and shy was humility you know only for me to learn later that humility is it's 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 it's, it's not thinking less of yourself but rather thinking of yourself less you know? wow. so I had to get to that stage mm-hmm. and sometimes you look you look at women who are doing it and you wonder how did they do it you know because you're not getting anybody to push you yeah starting innovative yeah was also a difficult process because now we have a lot of women who are coming together we've got all i mean we've got you Sheila yeah you know you put me on this program to, to yeah. share my story to tell yeah. you yeah. how i've gotten here yeah yeah 10 years ago we didn't have this so true 10 years ago social media and you know instagram and all of wasn't there yeah. so we didn't have the opportunity to be coached or mentored by somebody who had done it before yeah. and there were success stories for us to so to 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 emulate so for me it was almost working in something more like working in the park wow. you know so started off without all the examples to push you and to direct you and to inspire you was a problem you know and then of course you also do have the fact that even people around you may not even think you you know what you're doing and that can be a bit depressing so you always have to encourage yourself as a woman yeah yes overperform you have to outperform all wow. the time to let people see your relevance so all of those things were were some of the difficulties and then access to the the the, the proper resource Yeah. Microfinance it's 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 not that it's not banking. So having um human resource who share your passion and your vision and like-minded staff like staff strength yeah. was a bit difficult initially because when I started Innovative we were not even regulated by the central bank. Oh. Innovative was I think 3 years old when we finally got regulated by the central bank so you can imagine we were just working with <laughs> just working from 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 office with no regulation so everybody was doing what they were doing and, and calling it microfinance yes until wow. we got regulated then we had the the proper structures in place that we had to follow to yeah. you know, to make sure that we have the, the proper licensing in, in place and all of so it was it was a bit difficult but all of that is in the past <laughs> we're here today things yeah. are different so it's so true i keep looking forward <laughs> yeah. and, and i think we should have more of more of people like you i remember back then in 2005 
no 2006 2005 was when i came out of the university then 2006 i'd done my okay. um, yeah i'd done my national service and the university wanted to retain me okay. and then pay for me to do my master's to become a teaching assistant and i didn't want to because the area they were giving me was Why not? To, because they wanted <laughs> okay. me to teach art i have an art background and i i wanted to do business for some reason, I was tired of the act. I so I said, okay, if they allow me to do MBA, then I will stay and then I would I would become the teaching assistant. But they said no, the option was arts. And if I didn't want art, then that was it. So I left it after my service. Left. I left. After my service on campus, I left. So I had to go into the job market. Mm-hmm. And when I came out, seriously, I never wanted to work for anybody. I wanted to do my own thing. But then all my friends were going into the bank and that was when the banking system had picked up and everybody was being paid well they had their cars yes, you had their houses. yes exactly <laughs> and i was saying no 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 it would take too long for me to get to where they are so i was also going to the bank so i had just been influenced by what i saw so i packaged my cv and i started going to the banks and they wouldn't employ me ask me why Be- just because they said i had a first class and they don't employ first yes. class and it never because made, you don't have the balance <laughs> never made sense to me so, no I, I i i get that because first class means you're just focused on one thing you know they want to see that you have a balance a work-life balance where you can balance responsibilities it's i think it's so myopic and so um and so short-sighted but then again people are who they are you know they probably you had um, some HR um, generalists who thought okay first class we're not taking them because at the bank we need them to have you know a balance so if she's gonna come into the bank she's only going to be on the numbers 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 I'll forget that you've got the other side you know to also uh, uh, but if you don't give me the opportunity my god i was so frustrated for a year i was carrying my cv going from one bank to the other one bank and you know one funny thing in one of the banks my grandfather's very close friend happened to be on the board so he heard about the story and he said look if they are not going to put you in i'll use my position to put you in and i was excited because i knew oh definitely i've gotten this sure. <laughs> yeah i went i had to i had to to go through the mail like everybody i went to do the aptitude test i went for my interviews upon interviews then i was staying at home waiting for them to pick me and trust me the final interview i went to was a panel of nine and i thought that oh for this job i'm getting it because the interview was so lively you know it was chatty and i thought oh anytime an interview goes this way then it's successful so i came out of the boardroom thinking oh i have it already then i stayed in the house i was waiting <laughs> they never called me so i called the hr myself and what the man the senior they said if you are interested in getting this position you have to come to my office and i said no this is going the wrong way no so i that's did where go. you drew the line i'm sure yeah so i did okay. not go then i decided i'll do something on my own in fact this story is a very long story so i started something yeah. on my own i said why don't i put <laughs> what i've learned in school into practice and then uh, african print was not as common as today when they were they are using it into westernized styles it used to be cover slate you know those heavy styles for our mother's day 
So I worked, mm-hmm. I just worked into Printex one day. I worked into Printex and I had my portfolio. Oh, I remember Printex. Yeah. Is it still there? No. Is it? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think so. Wow. No, I don't think so. It's not. It's not. Oh. Mm-mm. Seriously. They were just they were just good. The man saw my portfolio yes. and he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be able to put uh, African prints into lovely styles so that it will be appealing to the young women and the young men, and then it will increase the sale of our prints. Because if we only have to put them into cabin slates, young ladies at that time won't you know, go for it. <laughs> the window, so, no. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was to have a magazine, do these styles and put it in. And the man said, okay, I'm going to give you two bills of fabric. So I got the two bills of fabric and I got um, ta- um, seamstresses and tailors to make them into designs. We had photo shoot and then I put the magazine together. Then my first edition, second edition, the marketers messed me up. And you know, the story goes on and on and on, but the challenges are very huge. And sometimes when we don't have the support, yeah. we give up quickly. So mm-hmm. when people like you come in- It's, it's that giving back. Yeah, yeah. When people like you come in the scene, then you you kind of mentor us, like you said, you know, so that when we have ideas like this, we don't quickly give up, but keep it together. No, at all. Yeah. At all. It's. I think. I. I mean, look, look, look where you are today. Imagine yeah. if you had gotten the banking job, you probably would not be doing podcasts with Sheila. No. You would have been doing your nine to five, yeah. working for a bank. Yeah. And excuse me. I'm, and this is not to to sound uh obnoxious yeah but literally a paycheck away from poverty because yeah. and when i mean by poverty i don't mean poverty in terms of financial poverty but poverty in terms of you know going for your passion you know exactly. giving back impacting exactly. lives all of which you get when you become an employer or self-employed so you know because if, if even though you don't do nine to five as an entrepreneur i think you work 24 hours seven days a week as an entrepreneur yeah but it is it is so fulfilling because you're doing something for you yourself love. and ultimately doing something for the society or the community in which you live in so for me that is usually a game yeah. and i would take that any day yeah i'll take that any day yeah and i think one of the the things is you never you you didn't give up Mm -hmm. and you didn't see failure as a dead end you know one of the things when i started innovative and it's literally like your story innovative was actually my um, mba uh, project Mm -hmm. i did a project Mm -hmm. on how to empower i'm from the north you know i'm a northerner so I've always been passionate to give back to the women up north. Yeah. And when I wanted a project, I remember I spoke to um, the professor then. I said, I wanted to do something where I, I really see the need. And if it's possible for me to do a project that I could go around, um, I did my MBA in, in, in Glasgow, if I could go around Scotland, yeah. you know, to, to raise some, you know, money to come back home to help. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, so go for it. So I came home. Mm-hmm. run a pilot and then I realized okay there was a need and that need was that you have all these strong willed determined resilient women up north they literally carry the entire household they are smallholder farmers they birth 
they teach, they nurture, I mean, all of it, everything up north, it's by these women. And I thought, what can we do to help them? You know, and it wasn't only giving them financial, and I don't believe in free lunch as well. I don't believe in aid. So I was of the view that if you kept giving them aid, Mm -hmm. what you're doing is further impoverishing them. So what I came up was a term that I, 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 I finally settled on as financial inclusion mm-hmm. being a universal human right for women. Wow. And I thought it shouldn't really end in conferences, uh, like, in, you know, because we talk about financial inclusion, we talk about how to get the excluded inclus- included and all of that. But usually we don't go to the bottom to see what they really need. A lot of the times people think, just give them money, you know, give them aid. Yeah. Aid, no, they don't need aid. You know, they need education. Yeah. yeah. They need they need education, they need infrastructure, they need resources, they need financing, but responsible financing and sustainable financing. They don't need aid for three months and then no aid for one year. Yeah. What do you do to a human being like that? Yeah. That's suicidal. It's so true. You know, so you need to give them something that they can use to build up on so they can get off the poverty line mm-hmm. and then take care of their household. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we are mothers, we're women. It's every mother and every woman wants to see her child grow up to be better than she is or so she true. is. Yeah. And to also get what you know to get everything that she never got. So true. And it's the same for these rural women. So I mean, true. it is the same thing. And if you ask her a question, all she tells you is, "I want this little boy or this little girl to really become what I was never in. Yes. I just want her to be able to read and write. Yeah. Because I can't read and write. Boy. I was never given that opportunity. And if, as a woman, all she wants is to be given the opportunity to do something with her life so she mm-hmm. can take care of her children. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. You know? And when you talked about that, uh, I think we, we, we talked about where sometimes some women feel, I think the last podcast, yeah. they don't get yeah. enough help from yeah. women who yeah. have achieved so much. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. what I learned from, or what I learn every day from mm-hmm. these women in the rural um, communities is humility they humble you because when you go into that neighborhood or into that community the woman who is considered magajia the woman who's considered like the queen the market okay Okay. she's not she's not worried about another person coming to be the market queen she wants to make as many queens as possible wow she wants to make sure that more market women are queens because if you speak to her she tells you that listen I don't sleep, Sheila. I don't sleep because every morning I wake up, there are two or three women who've come to me to help them do something. But if I'm able to get them into your company to help them so that they can take care of their own stuff, I sleep. Wow. And if women who've never seen the four corners of a classroom can do this for each other, I mean... It is a shame for somebody who's been to a university you think, not yeah. pull a log another woman. It will be it, it will be it will be a pity not to see that. Because that's why I get I'm like, gosh, 
you would see a woman or four women let me give a typical example mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. of the muslim communities where it's it's it, it humbles me every time i go there it's, you know so, you know the men are sometimes uh allowed to marry more than one wife yeah and whereas normally these women should be rivals, rivals. and be looking at stabbing each other every night yeah no they put themselves in a group Ooh. yes they put themselves in a group and then come to our financial literacy classes okay and guess who the manager is the manager usually is the first wife Really? <laughs> and, I mean, and this is not something we t- no we never taught them we don't wow. teach them they decide that for us to be able to be strong we need to come together to be strong so true and for us to be stronger we need to empower each other yeah you know so when you see that of course you're going to go out there to look for funding to help them because yeah you even you don't get that amongst educated women and if this is what these women yeah. need it isn't it's, it's it's not something that is um it's not rocket science mm-hmm. and so that drives me every time you know and when you see the impact we see women yeah. who live in mad houses and yeah. her, her whole um dream is to be able to build a house where she can wow. live with aluminum sh- sh- roofing sheets yeah. and for her that is her self actualization you and I may not think this is any big deal but for her and she will do anything to get there she'll do anything to see to it that her kids are in school and they're given you know a hot uh, uh, lunch when they come home yeah and just these big things they need you need to to see that to really you know be pushed to help so i sometimes i kind of feel okay i'm not a, i'm not like a a charity mm-hmm. but this is a, a for profit business with shareholders you know governed by the yeah. central bank yeah but behind it for us is to see that whatever help we take into a community the impact is seen and it's felt yeah if there's no impact we we just don't lend to any woman or any community that community must have something viable the women are doing wow so be it shade not uh, picking be it power boiling of rice basket weaving i mean all these are women and the smallholder farmers you wow. know i remember when the first time i learned about failure was when i met a group of smallholder uh, small scale uh, farmers women all women these are about 50 wow. women wow and i asked them So why do they love farming? And they just one of them best at life and they said, you know, I don't know anything else and I'm never going to give up. I've failed so many times and I'm never going to give up until I produce that crop that becomes a sort after crop. I was like, okay. Wow. So you know you you're not giving up at all. She, and I I usually speak my my local like a local dialect. Dialect. Yeah. And she said fail she doesn't even know what that is she just wow. sees it as you know another thing she's, wow. she's like i don't i really don't see it as anything i just see it as more like a detour and it's just an event it's not a dead end for me you know and wow. and one woman uh, i remember she said you know for me failure it's like a it's like a valuable teacher 
and I and I I respect that teacher so much. And the way she said it, we all burst out laughing. Yeah. She said, "I respect that teacher so much." You know, and so those are the stories. I mean, learning from them, and that is how you can learn from them. Yeah. You know, you think you're going to give them knowledge. You think you're going to give them something they're going to go like, "Wow, yeah. no, no, yeah. no." Yeah. Don't be so ignorant because yeah. you get to learn a lot from lot. them. They teach they teach you patience. They teach yeah. you perseverance. They teach you humility. and they teach you to keep going because when they tell you where they came from to where they are and where they want to go you come back and you tell yourself come on Sheila yeah. you, you just want to think that you want to give up i mean look at them every day and you go into a community especially the basket weavers and these yeah. are about 200 women 100 women sitting out in you know in an open field weaving baskets singing and dancing and you're like wow okay yeah with so much passion yeah and you you come back home and you're like okay at least today we did something good we did mm-hmm. something impactful and that mm-hmm. alone you know should should always keep you going yeah. so really we need more of such women in the corporate world yeah we need to come out behind every woman who's